0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Joe Salonia. Recently, there has been a buzz in our industry about the return of the iconic Morbier AOP cheese, which originated in the end of the 18th century in the village of Morbier in the Jura Mountains of France. It was famous and still is for its visible ash line running through the middle, A cow's milk cheese, a raw milk cheese. And as the story goes, the ash from the wood fire used to heat the curd was placed over the leftover evening milk to ward off contamination overnight before the morning milk curd production was added on top to complete the make. It is now made on a larger scale in single Morbier batches throughout different fruitiers or dairies in that region of France. In the past, this cheese could be found in almost any cheese counter across the land in the U.S. But in 2014, the vegetable ash in the middle was deemed by the FDA as an unapproved additive. And this landed, the Morbier AOP, on the import alert listing. So every shipment of Morbier was stopped by the FDA. In 2020, the FDA recognized the vegetable ash as reasonably safe to consume, And four years later in 2024, Morbier was finally removed from this import alert and is now making inroads to more shops looking for this iconic cheese. I remember years ago, I fell in love with this cheese back in my culinary student days when I helped stock the cheese cart for the Escoffier room before my pastry preparation started. It was the very first cheese that I understood simply as cheese. It was not presented to me as an ingredient per se and was perfectly fine to eat as it was simply with bread. For my own gustatory journey, it was a transformative moment to eat this cheese for the very first time, a moment I won't ever forget. Well, our next guest may have actually joined the cheese world around the time of this 2014 Morbier FDA ban. And in this short decade of of the time that has passed, has had only one job change. In the last seven years, he has been the stalwart cheesemonger at the Fairfield and Greenwich Cheese Company, breaking down the big wheels of cheese in record time with Robin Hood-like accuracy. And this past summer, he has become official partner of the two shops. It is my pleasure to welcome Matthew Rose.
3: Matthew, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me today. Right on.
2: So happy to have you on the show. We've met many times and we've met over some of the big cuttings you've done. And I've heard you talk about cheese a lot at the shop. I always enjoy your, your rambles. But you just heard my ramble about Morbier. Do you already have a love affair with this cheese? Have you eaten much Morbier in your career as a cheesemonger? I have to figure I'd first start with clear that question with you first.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a nice way in. The um so I actually don't have a whole lot of personal experience with Morbier. Um as you had kind of mentioned it, kind of made its uh departure right about the same time that I got started in cheese and I always was familiar with Morbier as kind of like a like a ghost cheese. You know, it was like I I was starting on the counter and it was always customer after customer just like do do you have any Morbier? Where where's the Morbier at? And um and I was like, I I have no idea. You know, I, I, I just started, so um, um, so it's been kind of a, a, a fun ride. So I got I get used to selling other things in its stead. And I'm uh, you know, we just had a sample of the real deal raw milk Morbier in the shop this last week. Um and Whoa. I'm super excited about it. So
2: yeah. wow. You might've just come up with a cool category, ghost cheese. We need to make yeah. like a ghost cheese fan yeah. page for all the other cheese that get mentioned that we can't get our hands on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, wow. So now you're you, you just you're right in with all this timing of things happening all around the buzz. So you tasted some more BA, but tell the audience, what's your current role now at, at Fairfield Greenwich Cheese Shop?
3: Yeah. So, uh, so right now I am one of the, I'm the newest partner here at Fairfield and Greenwich Cheese Company. Um, I have, uh, been with us for, I just, I'm coming up on my seven year anniversary in like a a week or two from now. So it's good timing to talk about that. Um, and, uh, for, for most of my stead there at the company, I've been, uh, technically like the lead cheesemonger. Um, in, in place of like, you know, we're, we don't really have the size to really need, uh, managers in the stores, um, though we've tried that. But so for a long time, uh, we came up with, uh, just lead cheesemongers, which that's what I've been, uh, for about five years. And then just with the change this last year with uh, really graduating up into the level of a full, uh, partner.
2: So, um, the, when you were, at, uh, before your partner, it was, it's, it still is Laura Downey and Chris Palumbo, the founding, uh, members of, uh, Fairfield Greenwich Cheese. Um, have I had that correct?
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Laura, Laura Downey and Chris Palumbo. So they, they started the first store. They opened that one in Fairfield. That was in 2009 was, it was the first store. Uh-huh. Um, which was the same the same season, same year where I was graduating from college. Just to <laughs> place that in there too. So sure, wow, well, Okay. Um, and then so they they did the first store for a little bit without really any previous cheese experience. They had kind of they they were both from the neighborhood there in Fairfield and understood kind of the uh, the need for for a cheese shop in a in a nice neighborhood like that with lots of worldly people and definitely kind of like a market that would seem to to support that. Um, so they started in 2009 and then that when they worked, you know, every day slinging cheese on the counter and they did that for about six years. And then they eventually decided that they really needed to to branch out a little bit further and they opened the, the second location, um, which is down in Costco. Um, that one is the Greenwich Cheese Company. That was in 2015 that they opened that one. Okay. Um, and then that one went for uh, almost 2 years and then that's when I kind of entered the picture. That's when I came into to things. But um,
2: yeah. Okay. So both both shops open, one opened in 2009, the second one opened in 2015. It's 15 years later and both shops are up and running. You joined 7 years ago. That's the overview. Yep. Uh, yep, that's the yeah. timeline. Strong story. And what kind of cheeses are you featuring in the shop now? Are are these territorial? Do you tend to lean uh a certain way or what what would you say set you apart what tell us about your uh
3: cheeses yeah so our uh, our product mix we we tend to keep it about 50% 50 on um european imports and also domestic cheeses um, so of course we feel like you you know cheese shops have a responsibility you have a certain array of cheeses that are the the standards you know you got to have your your Gruyere your Parmigiana your um, you know hopefully maybe now Morbier so since we're talking about yeah. that but um, uh, but we also you know we feel a, a pretty a strong connection to our domestic producers so um, we're always kind of looking for what what's new and what's really uh, super tasty and who has some of the best standards and the best tasting cheese that's made here domestically. Um, so, and there's quite a few, uh, farms and suppliers that we deal with. A lot of people that we deal with directly with, with family produced farms and small artisanal production. Um, so that's kind of what we're into, but we really take kind of a 50, 50 spread between, um, folks we support here at home and then the ones that we, we bring in from abroad too. So.
2: Right. So that's a healthy mix, and I'm gonna I'm gonna guess is there some kind of critical mass you you don't know until you open and start selling cheese that you figure, hey, we, we want to manage this many cheeses, but you know you don't want to have too many, you don't want to too many, too little, you want to have relevance within the, the I'll give it a, in air quotes palette of what you want to represent of the mix of the fifty fifty, and uh, so how do you manage knowing when it's enough cheese or not enough cheese? Or do you kind of, is it instinctual? Is it, it's cued by the, some of your guests requesting things, like how much of, of that plays a part?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of that is just the work that we do every day in the shop and just by, you know, paying attention and seeing what's moving and seeing what people are asking for, um, also cross reference with kind of like what's super tasty right now, what styles are, are really highlighting, you know, uh, the, the quality at the moment. Um, And you kind of see that, you know, cheeses that you end up that you have to do a lot more like triage with or cheeses that you're running out of, you know, categorically. So those are all, all the good ways that we look for if we have the right product mix. So, you know sometimes we we get a little heavy in one area and then we have to hustle up and make it more of a, a concerted effort to uh, really sell those cheeses. And when we know when it becomes that more uh, more deliberate that we may, you know, be kind of getting up to the, the ceiling on that particular category. Um, or, you know, again, like I said, when we start uh, running out of cheeses too, then we know that something is really in demand and, you know, maybe we got to start really looking for uh you know opening up that that category even a little bit more having a few more offerings in that style so we, we yeah. really take it day to day and we you know i'm i'm a huge proponent of just like really paying attention every every single day you know what's you know taste everything um see what people are selling what what's what's tasting good what's what's not and just really paying attention to that inventory and seeing what it's doing on its own and uh, the best way that we can react to that is, is how we kind of come up with our product mix. So,
2: I love that. You're, you're letting the cheese almost speak to you. And again, these are some pretty basic questions, right? I'm asking you some basic things, but like just like making a, a loaf of bread or a good vinaigrette or some basic foods, there's, there's a lot of little nuance to it. It's, it's not just so simple about, hey, I'm going to buy these cheeses that I like and put it in a cheese case, right? You have to figure Absolutely. out how to get it there. You have to source it. You have, like what you said you're tasting things you're seeing what's tasting good and and by that you mean let's let's what's available that's i mean you tell me i don't want to put words in your mouth but you mean from your supplier supply chain you know you're you're tasting it and then you're also tasting how how well it does in its lifespan in your shop right or absolutely combination of those things
3: yeah. Yeah. So we, we definitely always have our ear to the ground on, you know, again, what styles are really tasting great at any one moment. And then within, within those styles, we all do a lot of, um, of communicating in the shops, a lot of tasting, a lot of like anybody, any taste anything, if it's exceptional, we, I want to hear about it. You know, I want to, I want to talk about it. Um, and when, when I jump in there great. in the case and, and taste a few things, it's like, well, right now it's kind of like deep winter. We're getting some like really rich, lovely milk. A lot of the, washed rinds are probably going to be tasting pretty good right now, but you know, let's mm-hmm. go further than that and see, well, what, what washed rind is really exceptional right now? Like what's the, uh, you know, what, what's the one that if a customer comes up and says, I want, I want a stinky cheese or I want a nutty cheese, you know, what's the one. Um, mm-hmm. and I really want uh, my staff and really kind of expect them to have that answer, like really, really ready to go all the time. Um, so, you know, I always tell them to pick favorites, you know, every day is a, is a new day of favorites. And uh, the only way you 're going to get there is by getting in there, opening up that cheese, tasting it, thinking about it, communicating it, um, really exercising those those muscles so um, yeah. that's that 's how we really let kind of kind of drive it it 's not anymore again it 's very organic and it 's very the the cheese really uh, is in the driver's seat which which I love um, for most of what we do it 's like i just just letting letting the cheese speak and it's just up for us to to hear it and then to to adjust our game plan afterwards so
2: i i I love that i I think it's a great way to to deal with any food is you're you're tuning in to not only the cheese but the customers who's in the room and you're kind of making a, a collection based around all those elements um do any trends seem to be queued up by your guests requesting things whether it's something that someone like taylor swift might have said or or viral internet videos of feta cheese being baked with fusilli right? Or do, do these things also come into the come into the come into play in your shop and do they take foot or are you are you able to take that and pivot so to speak
3: of, of course, you know, viral culture is definitely, uh, out there a little bit. Um uh, we don't really, we kind of, uh, cheese operates on a little bit of a different, uh, plane than, you know, what's, uh, what's hot on, on TikTok at the moment, you know? Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, but there definitely are some things when, when some, uh, recipes do go viral, like, like the feta and the tomato bake. Um you know that it definitely will spurn on some some people to to come in and clean us at a feta in a you know sometimes when it's not seasonally expected you know or mm-hmm. um so that they definitely do influence certain things and there and there's a certain uh uh you know quality of customer that is really kind of. Um, you know pays attention to to those kinds of themes and what 's going on and and they 're into the social medias and then we we kind of see them come in and we and we know that they 've been paying attention online you know so it's mm-hmm. it 's like one subset of the customers that we do end up dealing with. But Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, it's more uh, you know that that's more uh, superficial. So we um, we have a really amazing group of um, regular customers that really come out and support us every every single week, every single day. Um, And we also have new people that we're talking to every single day too, from even from the the close neighborhoods too. So Mm -hmm. there's we we definitely always have our ears open as to what 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 the buzz is and what's going on and where people are coming from. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, as soon as you can start to kind of characterize people that that come in and you can start bridging that gap and making those relationships that really become uh, meaningful, you know, transactions. So, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah.
2: uh, getting into your again they're going to feel your knowledge and uh, and and your authority of, of cheese in a way like uh, when they walk in i mean I, and and th- that's the shift but you walk into a cheese shop like yours you're waiting to see what what will i experience you're not there i don't think your average customer is in it's coming in to tell your shop what you know what's up i mean they're going to hear what's up they're going to discover food in your in your shop that's the idea at Absolutely. least that's why i would walk into a shop like yours i want to I want to I want to have all the energy coming my way, um, and just discover things. Um, and you're a cut to order shop, right? I, I describe you as a cut to order shop. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Not, there's a lot of fine cheese counters out there. Not all are cut to order, um, but I like to make it. I like to explain for those that listening that might not know otherwise that you are a cut to order shop. And so, how much of your business comprises, you know, not cheese? Like, how much of your business like if, if 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 business is the pie, how much of that pie is is taken up with sandwich work or cheese accompaniments or cheese boards and cured meats, tin fish, chocolate, like everything but cutting a piece of cheese? Um, let's 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 keep the cheese boards even separate. But just like where you're not cutting cheese for the purposes of consuming the cheese on its own, how much of it's sandwich, cured meats, tin fish, chocolate, all the other accompaniments? Would you say how important yes, is? It,
3: so we're, we're pretty proud of the, you know, the amount of cheese that, that we sell and that how much of that is the foundation of the business. Um, so really non, you know, cheese to eat is, you know, right around kind of 40%, 40, 40, 40%. So let less than, um, half of the business that we do is the extras. So all the, the crackers and the, the company mints and fishes and chocolates and all those things too. Um, and we, we try to really keep, keep our foods for for service, you know, uh, ready, you know, kind of um, sandwich foods. We try to keep that pretty minimal because we really want that to to keep the perception going that we are a a very serious uh, cut to to order cheese shop and that we're not really here to make sandwiches. We we do make some daily and we have some offerings for, for some of those folks that come in. But um, we are really all about all about the cheese, and um, our numbers will reflect that too. So. Um, we, we, we keep the necessary essentials that keep people coming in and then, but it's really the, you know, the cheese case is the heart of the store. So, and we're, we're really proud of that. So
2: right on, right on as, as I, I would hope it should be. And, um, you know, just backing up a little bit more, just, I mean, again, I'm so, I, I when reading about your announcement last July, it's, it's also, it's also refreshing to read that you became a partner. Uh, but there's like so many people are, are leaving cheesemongering or the retail life, the shelf life of the cheesemonger as a person is if you will is shorter it seems to me than it was years ago maybe 10 years ago someone would stay at a job longer and and this is due to you know a variety of many factors uh, and now those those stints at cheese shops can be uh, much much shorter or there's a lot more movement uh, you know between uh, you know jobs but you on the other hand you've become a partner so what led what what led to that happening and uh, or was it tricky figuring out a way uh, to, to 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 have you become partner um like what, like how tricky was that or or what led to it what are the circumstances
3: so actually that that whole process was pretty organic and it was pretty natural um just because i had been around at the shop for uh, such a long time and i had uh for for a while i've kind of known of the certain type of work that I wanted to do for my career. Um, so, uh, again, kind of letting the, the products speak for themselves. You know, I, I started at a, at a large grocery store retailer and did, um, had a lot of really great training early on and really got to experience and had a lot of access to cheeses and meats and specialty foods. And, um, just out of necessity, because that's where my skills were. And then I ended up just sticking with it and eventually kind of got the cheese bug, you know, it's like you taste so many batches of cheese and you're like man that's really good that's that's amazing that's like this is like life life changing flavors and textures you know something um totally different than than where i'd come from and um yeah. you know and and you know it's also an industry that's really super filled with um with meaning you know with with care with like you know everybody in the in the supply chain of cheese really super cares about those products so all the way from the from the maker you know all the way through to the the distributor and the and the, and the retailer at the end you know it's like To do that job really well is to, to really be infused with, with caring for this product that has touched so many hands along the way and can actually be um, such a powerful kind of economic force for so many people. But, um, so I, I got in tune with that and did some trainings and, you know, it, it clicked pretty early on that cheese is absolutely what I wanted to do. Um, just the, the absolute perfect crossroads of of meaning, of product, of, you know, uh, of agricultural kind of insinuations, too, that really speaks to me. And, and really just the the work of it. You know, I love just talking to people about cheese. I love educating people about cheese, of sharing my knowledge in a really, like, uh, you know, accessible, easy way. Uh, it's, you know, for a cheese that is so fundamental, that is mm. just uh, it's so present in all of our lives from the earliest of ages. We all like have been eating cheese for such a long time. And it got to a point that I was like, man, I don't even know if I know what cheese is. You know, what what is it? What How is it made? And and my own curiosity really kind of spurned it on. Um, mm. And And really I attribute it to like, you know, spending enough time working, On the counter, you know, I I I've spent a lot of time just, you know, a lot of hours working where you're you have a lot of time to really consider uh, your priorities and what your focus is is going to be in your life. And when you're working these retail time type of jobs, sometimes you know that's there's a lot of those times where you're just like, man, what am I doing here tonight? You know, like what's what's happening? And then those are really those perfect moments where you actually really dig deep and think like, what is actually important to me and what yeah. makes me happy. And I had enough of those moments, um, working with cheese. And, um, I certainly, it's not that I didn't think about alternatives, you know, of course I always thought about something, you know, more mm-hmm. lucrative or, you know, maybe not as much, uh, hard physical labor. Um, but you know, time and again, it's like something about it just felt right. And I just kept, going and i always had a lot of really amazing people that supported me too so i've always been very fortunate in that that regard as well too so um and when i met chris and laura we hit it off right off the bat and i was like man these these people understand food on the way that I want to, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I was, and I was able to recognize that. So it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of good faith and a lot of good support and, uh, and me just really sticking to my guns and knowing that this is really what I wanted to do. So you,
2: you went all in at some point,
3: you, at some point if the yes. switch was flipped and
2: you went all in on cheese, going all in on cheese is, is that could be its own show. <laughs> I um, think so. <laughs> all the stories where you where someone knew, but it sounds like you, you knew. Yes. you know. and yeah. and what's changed since becoming a partner? Has has much changed for
3: you on your day to day? Um, you know, not as much as you think, but it's changed a little bit. You know, it's like um, a lot of it adds to the the confidence of of my approach, and you know, of kind of there there's a a point where you are working really hard towards something. And then there's a point when you start seeing the evidence of, of your work of either your, your, ethic or your, or your manner or, or whatever. But, um, it's like, once you start getting that reward of like, geez, I've been doing this, I am kind of responsible for this and this seems to be going really well. So, um, you know, I need to be, uh, to be open to that and to to know that it's, that, that it's going well. And, um, You know, it's it's just been a a super exciting uh, journey so far. So,
2: (laughs) well, let's put a pin in that uh, for just a few uh, minutes here. We're going to need to take a short break right after a message from our sponsor.
1: Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's central coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com.
0: This episode is supported by HRN business member Antons, a cozy, nostalgic New York cafe and wine bar in the heart of the West Village. Anton's thoughtfully reimagines New York City's rich culinary history through comforting, eclectic American cuisine with deep European influences and a wine list 550 plus bottles deep, all within a warm and inviting space. Anton's supports HRN's creative, educational reporting and storytelling that drives conversation to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place
2: okay welcome back everyone we're here chatting with matthew rose partner at the fairfield greenwich cheese company so uh matt you were talking about how well things are going uh after how well things have gone that led you to becoming a partner uh at fairfield greenwich cheese company so how how would you describe the current state of retail you have like a a sense of you know even the community that's out there especially for independent shops that are listening or Or even that in contrast with the landscape of cheese stores out there. How would you describe the current state of retail from your perspective? What would you say?
3: So I think right now is just a very uh, super exciting time in in retail, especially for, for specialty foods. Um, I think a lot of people are really still getting into it, you know, as far as consumers are concerned. Um, a lot of people are just discovering that um, there's some really amazing foods and it's it's a an industry and an area that's worth pursuing just for, you know, in, in your own curiosity and your own kind of personal fulfillment. Um, so I think, um, it's, it's a really great time. And there's also some producers that have been around for a long enough that we've kind of gotten over that that foundation of the the first people to really do cheese in the U.S. And now we're kind of in that uh, a little bit later generation where there are some, some kind of established lines of tradition in the U.S. And um, some people that are really building on that experience and that expertise and starting to make some really amazing products. Um, you know, in the, in the last, uh, year or two, there's definitely been more really amazing, exciting American cheese than ever on, on the market. So, um, and I think that goes hand in hand with our responsibility to, to move that product and to get that into the hands of the consumers and to educate people about these foods. So as, uh, as producers turn to, you know, handmade cheese, making cheese kind of the, the hard way, um, as more people turn to that and, and, uh, uh, more people are also getting into it, so we have mm-hmm. a responsibility to actually. I I really think um, there's always there's a lot more opportunity in in cheese right now. There's a, it's just like a big wide open pot right now that's just starting to settle, um, at, for in the first place. So um, this is a great time to get into uh, selling cheese. And like I said, we, we talk to new applicants all the time that are looking for jobs. So it's a lot better than it was a few years ago of seems to be definitely a current of some younger people that are, um, getting curious and, and looking into, to cheese as kind of a, a viable career path. Um, and I think coupled again, yeah, that's I hope that's happening more and more.
2: Um, because, cause I don't know what, When I talk to shop, um, people in shops or stores, I mean, many times they'll describe the biggest challenge is, is forming the team, keeping a team. Um, what, what you're describing some new opportunities, but is, is that a shared challenge for you or, or do you have different challenges, uh, being where you are
3: we, um, so we're uh, coming off of kind of our most stable period of staffing that we've probably ever had over the last few years. Um, we have some really amazing, uh, talented mongers that we're just super fortunate uh, to have manning our counters. I could not be uh, happier about mm-hmm. that right now. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest assets to uh, this type of work is, you know, and, and a lot of the, the work that I put into the company is really, uh, you know, building that team and keeping those lines of communication open and, you know, keep our development really pushing forward on all of these individuals that end up coming to us for for work. Um, and anybody that's interested in the job, you know, I'm I'm happy to... I'm always happy to, to sit down with them and talk to them. And anybody that's you know once they hear what they're up against to get into the world of cheese, um, as far as you know, kind of lower pay, maybe the benefits are are not as good as some other industries. But anybody that that hears all of that and is still interested in in working in cheese, I'm like totally game to give them my my utmost uh, energy into develop developing them as as a cheesemonger and to really building those those skills that they can use for themselves. So, um, but uh, team building is is so important, and uh, and and I think you know it's it, it can be challenging, but also it doesn't take too many people to really really you know own a cheese shop. So, you the the goal is that you get a few really amazing employees, and they stick around for a few years. Um, and that that alleviates some of the some of the pressure. But um, I've I've definitely been in the position on on the opposite side of that, where you are having trouble finding people and you are putting a lot of energy into that. But um, uh, the last few years has been really fortunate, and I hope that uh, some of that yes. is is just how we how we do it, and just you know making sure that we're hearing our, our employees and hearing what they what they need from us and how we can push them and support them on their own personal journey. So. So maybe that's the takeaway
2: for, for our listeners. I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But would you say you attribute keeping a good team is the fact that you're literally building the team and you you know their their voices are heard and there's there's everybody's considered um, a, a valuable member and the building of that and the investing in the, in them is would you, is it fair to say that that may be your your biggest asset? I mean, yeah, delicious cheese. Uh, good prices and a nice atmosphere all are great, but what, what else, what, what's, what really, what's at the heart of it is your team.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely, we could not do it without them. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's an amazing work where you can find some, you know, most anybody that really thinks of cheese as something more than just a, a passing thing, you know, anybody that's kind of serious about it really puts in a, a lot of good effort. And if you can just keep everybody, you know, kind of happy and motivated and focused and uh, really excited about the products, you know, I just, I I, I think keeping them close to the, to the standards of the cheese and being excited about it. You know, that's what keeps us going. And, uh, and you can really keep people, you know, it's like, you know, cheese is such a big, uh, industry of just, of, of people that didn't quite fit at other, other industries or other places. (laughs) So true. It's true for me. Yeah. Everybody in cheese has that really fun backstory of how they ended up there. It's like, no, nobody starts in cheese, you know, there's like, you know, yeah. one, or, one or two people ever started in cheese and then the rest of it is just like, well, it's my third career option and it's the, you know, and it actually is something that I love to do. So,
2: yeah, we're most of us are here clearly because we truly our hearts are here and we're here with full intention. Um, and and so that, you know, that's it right there. I mean, a happy, enthusiastic, motivated team also makes for a really beautiful pleasant customer experience and if there's only one thing we can control in this crazy world with so many other f- variables that, that have to do with shipping things going you know arriving on time pricing uh, you know a snowstorm that might happen this week that that's the one thing you can control is 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 our attitudes and having a, a customer experience that might be something people can feel and measure when they visit your store um I wish we, I wish we saw more of that. I, I think there's, there's all, there's room for growth. I, it exists. And, and usually when I visit a shop and I think to myself, why did I like it there? It's usually that it's usually because the team and the product were really kind of one experience together.
3: Yeah. Absolutely, you know that that that's what does it. That's what we rely on, and it's just about finding those those right people that are a good fit for your shop. Mm-hmm. You know, for for every one really amazing fit, you know, person that that is probably going to spend around you know two three years with you, there's there's you know five or six other ones that just kind of cycle through. And you know, being in the retail mm-hmm. sector, you just have to kind of um, expect that a little bit, and you have to kind of keep your eyes open a little bit, and it and it really does bring a new. Importance onto uh, deciding on for for your store for your team of what makes a really good candidate for your team like who is going to be a good fit you know well it's you know and, and being aware of those qualifications um, and then you can really use your time and your energy wisely you know if I can only interview a few people and get a, most of them to stick and you know keep them happy and. And looking towards, uh, you know, a, a good common, a common goal of, of moving more cheese, especially more American cheese. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that, that's a powerful thing. And and culture is and words are meaningful and they they are really powerful, you know, so mm. it's hard. It's it is. It, uh, there's the world is so. Uh, um.
2: There's so many challenges facing uh, so so many of us. More it seems more than ever, maybe because of social media. But having a, a stable, uh, pleasant work environment is is at this point considered a sanctuary. You know, like if you can if you can create that for people, that probably makes them want to stick around more than they ever thought because they could feel part of something. Um, and so that's really great to hear. Um, and you so with the two stores, one in Greenwich, one in Fairfield, east, this is Connecticut. Do you approach these two stores that much differently when it comes to the running the day-to-day and your teams? Uh, how, how, how different are the two stores?
3: They, uh, they definitely are a little bit different. You know, it, it's kind of amazing to think about two stores that are, you know, not, uh, geographically so close to each other that they could behave so differently sometimes. Um, but, um, just as far as our product mixes go and what seem to be the kind of trends in those neighborhoods are surprisingly different. And we try to weigh that with our, with our products, you know, so it's like, we, we tend to go a little heavier in one direction in one store and a little bit heavier in the other or, um, certain, you know, parts of the business. We tend to do a little bit more like cheese platters and a little bit more service oriented towards the the Grinch crowd where Fairfield tends to be more people just buying um, cheeses kind of a la carte, just regular people. So um, there definitely are some differences, but it, it's also kind of funny too, because when we look at sales day to day between the stores, it's like, when when I look and I'll, I'll say, well, let, let's see how Greenwich is doing today. And it's like, they're ahead of us by $50 or like, uh, you know, we're behind them by $16. It's always like, Oh, wow. It's kind of like a, a common kind of um, attitude with the consumer of like they – it's the same amount of people that are curious about going out and buying something and spending money and the experiences I know. Like I look at those numbers and I think, oh, well, they're pr- having a pretty similar day as to what we're having, you know. Um, uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. what they're buying isn't always the same and it's, uh, and we, and we try to tailor that and we have the flexibility to, to do that kind of differently having the, the private shops. So that's, that's kind of a nice angle to look at it too. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, they're, uh, they're, you know, we try to keep them as similar and as consistent as we can, but you'd be surprised at how different they can be. So.
2: And so also sharing a big you share product between the two locations does that happen often where you're able to buy big on something and then you know cut it up or di- divide that effort between the, is that an advantage are you moving cheese between locations often
3: absolutely yes we, we definitely do that um, that that's a big um draw of ours and, and looking towards our relationships with distri- distributors and producers is that between the two stores, you know, we can really handle a lot of those big wheels. You know, if we, if we want, uh, you know, a, the big, the slow food Emmental, we can handle a big wheel, you know, um, we can, we take full wheels of Gruyere, we take full wheels of Parmigiana and, and the, the cheddars. So we can, um, you know, we have enough traffic between the two stores that it's, it's not an impediment for us to, to stop taking those, those full large formats, which we all, you know, are kind of think that really keeps the quality intact for as long as possible, which is always kind of the, the game and cheese, you know, trying to preserve that, that inner quality as long as you possibly can.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and,
3: and having the two stores, I know that was a major, um, thought of opening the second store is that you can move that much more cheese and you can, you can, um, just, uh, you know, move that much more volume. And that makes, um, that, that, that's better for everybody in the whole supply chain. So that that can make you uh, better friends a lot faster too. So,
2: yeah, I mean the idea between moving a lot of cheese is, I think, more to the point that the cheese is going to be eaten in a fresher state. So you 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 can t- you have a better chance of a tastier piece of cheese if it's a big wheel that you opened. Uh, you're going to move through that wheel quicker, or that or little or whatever wheel, whatever size format is you're working with. You're going to move through it. Definitely, uh, you know, just that—that's a massive uh, point to be made about um, having uh, velocity behind your items at the counter. Whether it's shared between two shops or just one shop, either way, yeah, a, and,
3: and like, cheese is still a numbers game. You know, when you when you look at it down down at its heart, it's like we you know we all like to romanticize it and talk about how wonderful the textures and the flavors and the seasonality and the cows, you know. But um, mm-hmm. at, at its heart, it is it's about the numbers. It's about how much cheese are you moving, and you know if we're if we're going to really improve the the cheese in, industry in, in this country, if we're really going to coalesce like a really strong cheese industry, we really have to. Set more cheese. It's kind of an, an imperative, and uh, for us, you know, having two shops really allows us to to do that. And, you know, we really, really want to see more shops in general. So, you know, my when, when I train people up and in, in the industry, it's like I really want them to go off and, and start their own shops someday. So it's like um, it's no fear. That's a of, great intention have competition. It's like I, I look at everybody as a future shop owner and I want to give them that skills to be able to do that. So um, and and like I said, and it comes down to the numbers. You know, we we need to sell more cheese. We need to move more cheese, um, especially domestic, really amazing American american-made jesus you know this is a good thing to get behind so
2: i hope that people take your words as inspiration I, I think that's a beautiful sentiment is that you're training folks with the thought that hey i hope one day you open up your own shop that's that's big that's 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 really great i, I that's really refreshing to hear that kind of thing happening because um, even if you don't say it aloud and you think it and you're and you're doing
3: it that that's that's real it's still real, and you know we're in the business of making people. You know, you know they talk about cheese as a value-added product, and and I think about cheesemongers as you know value-added employees. You know, it's like. Um you know, we're, you're giving somebody the, the skills that they need to take that destiny into their own hands. And I know that's one of the things that drove me into the private sector in cheese is that, you know, I, I felt like I have more control over my destiny. You know, it might, um, we, we not have as much, uh, money in in the coffers as like a a large chain does, but also we have the flexibility and we have the power to do it ourselves. And I think Mm -hmm. now more than ever that speaks to this generation that's coming up right now. So, um, I hope a lot of the young people kind of, kind of hear that, you know, we can give you the skills and, you know, again, it's not a lavish lifestyle, but you can earn all the skills and all the know-how that you need to, to do, to have your own thing and to do, to make the shots, you know, and to, to, to have this thing for yourself, which I think is just kind of like the most, uh, that's, that's the, the epitome of it. That's, that's the mountaintop of, of what we're doing here. So. Well, to live a life of of
2: mission drive and purpose is usually a very happy life i mean if you can if you can answer to that then chances are you're 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 usually a pretty stoked person that uh, you know with good work and and you're motivated and you're usually on the generally happy and I think that's what we all want um what would be your what's your vision for the shop then because you, you got you, you have seven years under your belt the shop's been open for fifteen years. What's your vision for the shop for say the next seven to ten years to come what do you what's any any visions?
3: Um, not really specific, you know, the, the shops are, are the vision, you know, in, in, in life. So, um, so I'm going to keep pushing forward. I really, you know, this is such an amazing time in flux. You know, I've got my foot in the door. I've got, I know what I'm doing. And, uh, I just hope that there's a a few other people that are, uh, really, uh, as intensely passionate and crazy as as I am, that they want to join me on this, on this journey forward. So, um, I know we're, uh, you know, we're going to keep pushing forward. Keep pushing those standards forward for American producers and also, you know, standards of, of service and, you know, hopefully a few more shops maybe maybe in the future. Who knows? Or, uh, you know, just help a couple of people along the way that also tend to flesh out that kind of retail market in in the U.S. right now. So um, either way, you know, I'm, I'm going to feel good about it and uh, we're just going to we're going to see how it goes. We're going to we're going to listen to the cheese and that's going to tell me uh, <laughs> tell me where to go from here. So.
2: I, I love that. So let's listen to the cheese. I, this has been really great. Um, Matthew, I, I think we're going um, to keep it here. Um, I want to thank you for joining today on Cutting the Curd. A lot of inspirational uh, sound bites you've given us, and it was great talking to you about what's going on in your world and hearing your insights and original thoughts at the counter at Fairfield Greenwich Cheese Shops.
3: Oh hey, you're welcome. Thank thanks so much for having me. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, I'm always happy to, to talk shop with you, Joe.
2: Awesome. I hope you'll come back. Um and, uh, and keep in touch. Sounds
3: good. We'll do, Joe.
2: Um, all right, everyone. You can follow Matthew on Instagram at Matthew the Monger, and you can follow us on Instagram at cutting the curd. You can follow Heritage Radio at Heritage underscore radio, and follow me at Sting Please listen and subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if, if you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star review. It really help us broaden our audience. And a couple mentions here. Ann Sacks will be Legacy Fund window is still open until March 15th. Go to AnneSacksWillBeLegacyFund.org and get online and apply now. Also, the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Endowment Enrollment is now open. To learn more, visit dzt.org. Okay. Thanks again, everyone. And if you love someone, send them cheese. Cutting the curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening
1: to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio, supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetworkorg subscribe.